welcome to the Law of Positivism podcast. I'm your host, Shireen, and I'm the creator of Law of Positivism. I'm here to help you on your spiritual and healing journey. I am a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a student of Chinese medicine, a doula, a Reiki practitioner, and a passionate, highly sensitive person. I want to use my knowledge to channel information and messages for you to grow on all levels. Welcome to the 18th episode of this podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here and today I am going to share an episode which is so dear to my heart and it's all about astrology, the goddess and everything that I love. So I have the amazing astrologer April Shaley with me from April's Arcana and she is just sharing so much wisdom and we talk about everything around astrology, but also tap into uh, the different aspects of the goddess and especially goddess Lilith and how she turns up in our astrology. We talk about other things that that are so interesting and, and, and really, really important for us right now as a collective. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. And April is not only an astrologer she also works with dance and belly dance to embody the different energies and 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 goddess like energy so she's really inspirational so i really encourage you to check her out and her youtube account where she shares weekly astrology updates which are really really important for me because it, it really keeps me up to date and her inter- interpretations are really amazing so I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do, please leave a review on iTunes. It really means everything to me and I read all the reviews and I, it can really help other people to find the podcast. And I do do Oracle card readings for everyone who leave a review. So if you do leave a review, just send me a message on Instagram and I will share the reading, your personal reading with you. So just enjoy this episode. Hi, April. Hi, Shireen. How are you? Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. I'm a super big fan of yours, and I'm really happy to connect with you. Well, the feeling's mutual. I'm a big fan of yours as well. I'm Thank you so much. Of your soothing feminine voice. It's so beautiful. I love it. Oh. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. And I always ask the question, how do you stay mindful and present? Well, I have a few methods um, that I use to stay mindful and present. Um, And one of those methods happens to be my dog. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Who's here with me right now. His name is Gwydion. Um, which is a name that comes out of the Mabinogian, the Welsh uh, logical uh, big book. And so he's quite a trickster. And um, his presence in my life really keeps me mindful. He's, he's a very present tense kind of guy. Um, whereas I might race ahead. He is about what's happening now. He doesn't 
um, hold grudges. He doesn't think about the past as much. You know, he's he's very much about now. And he's just so beautiful to me that just my focusing on him um, makes me feel much more mindful of what I'm doing, what I'm thinking and where I'm, I'm you know, wanting to be. But also uh, dance, belly dance is a way I stay mindful in that I take care of my body and I'm in my body that way. And then uh, meditation and uh, just breathing is, is a great way to stay mindful and grounded and, and in um, the present tense. It's mm, beautiful. And I, I've seen uh, your dog and he's very cute. So I've seen him <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's beautiful, and and we do have a lot of a lot of things in common. Actually, I've been also uh, for many years been dancing and also belly dance and many different things. So and astrology is also a common thing, and that's how I found you. I found you uh, on your beautiful uh, YouTube account with all these reports, and I always look forward to the reports that you. Uh, that you publish every week so it's really guiding and it's beautiful and also we have the goddess in common so there's so much amazing stuff to talk about and I just want you to maybe start talking a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into what you're doing right now. Sure um, and so how I got into what I'm doing right now I feel First, with astrology, let me just start with, um, let me start with astrology. I have to say, I don't feel like astrology was any kind of learning curve for me. Um, I, you know, it wasn't hard for me to learn. And that's not because I'm so brilliant. It's because I feel that I came into this incarnation with astrology already that it was part of, like my soul came in with it, that I had done, I'd been an astrologer before, because it sort of just, uh, I want to say fell into my lap, or it just sort of happened pretty organically. I didn't make a study out of it per se, uh, whereas other kinds of disciplines, I, uh, you know, particularly magical disciplines, um, but other, just other things I've had to spend more time with. And, and um, astrology really was just so easy for me and I learned astrology, and this is kind of sinister, and, and <laughs> but I learned astrology because I had um, a love interest, and I really wanted to know about him. Uh, so I had a friend who, who had already been doing astrology, and she, she was like, oh, well, let's look at his chart. And I just thought this was amazing that we could like peer into someone's psyche this way <laughs> find out who, the, who is this person you know as it, yeah. as it of course astrology works and so you can do that so of course as I've matured you know I've become much more mindful of that and and uh you know much more respectful of people's privacy and and that because you really can just look right into it and, and see someone's life story and their the map of their their soul and their psyche and their map for this lifetime so that and then belly dance um i remember seeing a woman who became my first teacher uh alia tabit um and saw her at a restaurant and i think this was the order of things it's hard for me to remember but um i saw her dancing and she had this 
wonderful, mesmerizing and inspiring mix of erotic power and self-possession. And I feel that I was raised to think that those two things were somehow mutually exclusive, that women who are overtly erotic in some way are people who society will disrespect or that you're somehow presenting yourself in a way that lines you up for, for disrespect. And here I found this person or, or, you know, it wasn't just Dahlia. There was other, other dancers that I saw that combined these things. And in what I now recognize is a priestess energy. And this was all, you know, I, I felt like when I was watching it, I was remembering something and mm. I was so drawn to that. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm just about six feet tall. I'm pretty much made out of angles. This dance is completely out of my reach. There's no way I can do this. And I went to her classes and it took me a while. <laughs> Unlike astrology, this took me a while, but I, I learned. And now, of course, it's part of my, my physical being and my emotional and, and spiritual being to dance. I, there's not a day that goes by that I don't um, that I don't dance because I, I need to do it. So it it was this, I, I now understand what I was looking at much better than I did at the time. I just knew I could feel it in my, every fiber of my being that this was something that I needed to know more about and I needed to um, experience for myself. It was a, it was some, it was some sort of connection to, to something that was part of my calling. Mm. Yeah, but belly dancing is really, really, I'm thinking about our energy centers in the body and the the chakras that we, that we um, move when we're dancing. And uh, belly dancing is something that just uh, together with many ancient and traditional dances are a way to to align yourself but also it's a great way to just feel your body just as yoga is and dancing can definitely be a meditation it's been for me as well for many years and uh, and one more thing we have in common is that you're living in Ireland and I have lived in Ireland so how have you did that yeah I used to live in Dublin I, I was there for two years and it was really a time of awakening for me so it was really really hard and dark but it was very yeah. very yeah it was awakening it was really important for my path so it's uh yeah we have that in common how did you wow. make the transition from us to ireland well i fell in love okay <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here for love i am here with my now husband uh, congratulations thank I know you. you just got married i did yeah. Yeah, we did. So we got married in Iceland, which is an amazing place full of magic. Um, yeah. So that was, we had a like epic trip to Iceland. It was fantastic. Um, so yeah, I came to Ireland through, uh, through David and, uh, but I have been here before and I always had this feeling that I would live here someday. Hmm. And I came here um, a long time ago when I was uh, younger and, and, uh, um, was here for just a week and I, I loved it. And then life happened. I went back to the United States, lived my life. And then this came around as sort of this faded, um, faded thing. 
to find that first of all, in the United States, he lives here. There was no real reason, you know what I mean? That we, we, we our, our paths crossed and, um, and here we are. So. And Ireland is also as, as uh, England is very mystical and there's so much like traditions in magic and in, in all of these things that, that we practice. So it's, I think many of us are drawn to these places as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the, just the, the land just emanates um, this magic. I mean, I think that that's true almost anywhere you, you go, you can communicate with land and, and there's going to be magic. Um, there's something here that, that really resonates for me. So I, um, I, I feel that that's, um, that's there. The, the, um, the Fae and the people of the, the she, um, that's been sort of amplified for me. I've been aware of that for a long time. And the Morrigan as a, you know, the goddess, the Morrigan has always been an important goddess for me, um, calling me very young, but now it's like her signals amplified. I'm like, I'm closer to her ep epicenter. So mm. my conversations with her have become really extraordinary and, and, uh, um, almost like if I were listening to a, the radio station, the Morrigan, and trying to listen to that in the United States, where she is. I mean, so many Irish people came over, you know, um, including my ancestors. She was carried over there. But coming here, again, to her epicenter, it's like that radio station has gotten so much louder and clearer. Yeah, I can see that. And um, yeah, so many interesting topics. And and when you are talking about astrology, I feel like it's something. It's like you said, it's like an inner wisdom that you have because it's you interpret it in your way. So it's really and it really resonates with me as well. And you also, yeah, you incorporate the goddess in the astrology a lot. I, I would like you to to just share how how your work is with astrology and how you merge these different aspects together. Sure. Well, I have to my um, uh, the master astrologers who did some of the work before I I did my own work and and who taught me. Um, Liz Green, you know, she makes those connections a lot. She's an archetypal modern, you know, astrologer, a lot of Jungian uh, in, in her work. She's also an artist. And um, so she does a lot of work with the goddess energies and pointed those things out to me. I, I mean, I learned from her books as a baby astrologer. I just devoured her books, particularly her book of the astrology of fate. And, um, and she does this without it being uh, having an agenda. She's really just about what you know her her download of 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 I want to say the truth because there isn't a truth, but her truth, the truth that comes through her is. And then um, Demetra George also with her books, um, Asteroid Goddesses and Mysteries of the Dark Moon uh, about the dark goddesses, making those connections. So so there were a lot of people that did that for me. Um, and then I learned from, and then, and then I expanded upon that. Um, and Kelly Hunter, who's, who is actually my teacher 
um, that I studied with in person um, in the United States, Vermont, she's done a lot of work with um, Lilith and has a book, Living Lilith. So um, these are these are these precious items to me, these books <laughs> mm. that I've referred to again and again and again, and they've become part of my own, you know, just, just integrated into my thinking and my, my uh, perception of astrology. So then uh, I've always felt a very strong affinity with the, the Lilith story and with Lilith and um, remember reading her story and feeling the pain of her exile and knowing exactly what that is, that feeling of being too much and just absolutely rejected by um, people who don't want to know about change or about um, their own nature completely and, and authenticity and um, and she's very much a challenge to uh, patriarchal ways and, and, and masculine oriented ways of, of um, running things and of doing things. And so that, that, uh, that Lilith energy is so important to me. And I have Lilith rising in Scorpio. So mm. there she is. <laughs> and I really mm. story over and over again in that kind of painful exile, but also in the reclaiming of, of her magic and her juju and her, what she brings that, that I wouldn't trade for anything to have that, the, the access to that energy, wouldn't trade it for anything, no matter, no matter what sacrifices or, or painful experiences have come through it, um, what she's asked of me to live, uh, you know, with her archetype running through my veins it's been absolutely worth every moment. And I think we should tap into this, this story for those who haven't read or heard about the story of Lilith and, and yeah. And then what she means in astrology, because I think it's important and not a lot of astrologers talk about it in depth like that, because we have the mythological uh, history of it. And then, how we interpret it into astrology. Maybe you can share her story. Sure. Um, she's got so many layers and that's what's so fascinating about her. She's a, a shapeshifter. And I think she has that in common with the Morrigan and that they're shapeshifters. And uh, I would even say they have a similar root, even though culturally they're, they're very different. They've developed very differently. They both have black wings, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. they both are these shapeshifters. They're both, um, in exile, really. Um, and they're both queen, they're queens, they're sovereigns. And um, so, but just Lilith on her own, um, I think of Lilith, you know, it's been said that she says of herself, I am the soul of every living creature that creepeth. So she is, she's nature itself. She's that which animates the world. And that gets into some, some, you know, that can be abstract, you know, thinking about it, but her, her, Origins, in my understanding, well, first of all, they're shrouded in mist. It's very hard to get to them. And I think that's part of her mystery. And that's something to be respected in itself, you know, that she um, veils herself and she, again, shapeshifts. The more you try to pin her down and this is her history, this is the timeline, the more she morphs. That's <laughs> it, right? And the same is true with her astrology. She doesn't true look. Lilith is very hard to pin down like where she is in the Zodiac at this point. But anyway, she's, um, I think she, my understanding is she's Sumerian in, 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 in origin. And, um, you know, she's got this history of both of being a, a, 
a, a strong feminine power, but one that's associated with, um, she's sort of the anti-mother. She's kind of like the uh, a threat to women who are in childbirth. And there's all sorts of amulets that were made against her that she would threaten the, the, the life of a child. And to me, that seems like uh, that she represents sort of the menstrual side to femininity, the dark moon side, the non-nurturing side, the, the transformative side. Um, but in the in the the later mythology, she's she's seen she's in the Garden of Eden with with Adam, and she's his first wife, which is a lesser known thing. And this is true for all of the dark goddesses that they their stories are lesser known. Um, but she is, um, she's Adam's first wife and they're both made out of the earth. And, uh, when she wants, she, she assumes equality and Adam says, you know, no, you're to lie underneath me. And, you know, she's like, that's fine some of the time, but, uh, excuse me, that's not all we're going to be doing here. And it's, you know, it means you're, you're, I, I am the ruler here and I'm, you know, I'm running things and you're my subordinate. And she says, you know, no, I'm not. And she utters the um, ineffable name of God, Yahweh, and flies up to heaven and uh, to, to meet him and says, excuse me, you know, this is happening down here. Can you help me out? You created me equal to him. And he says, well, no, you know, basically he, Adam's made in my image. You're not. So sorry, go home. And she says, well, now I have a new home. It's on the banks of the Red Sea where I'm going to create more demons for all of eternity <laughs> for your you know, creation of humanity to reckon with. And then Eve comes into the picture and she is made out of Adam's rib. So she is made as a subordinate, as, as his underling from, from him, whereas Adam, Lilith wasn't. And so um, Lilith comes back later as the serpent. So you know, we say uh, that that's Satan, but they're actually one sort of one thing because Lilith comes back as as the serpent to say, hey, hey, anybody want to buy an apple? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and Eve's like, you know, she feels that same maybe feeling that we all feel when we recognize the divine feminine someplace when it's been shrouded from us and says, OK, I'll take it. And she takes the apple. And then we know the rest of the story with that, most of us, right? So um, they're exiled. They're both exiled from the garden, Adam too. And, you know, now she's more of a, um, of a, of a, a goddess who I think has a, um, people sort of see her in modern life. Uh, there's, she can be seen by some people as a, a feminist goddess who represents independence and um, self-autonomy and the ability to say no. And I think she's much more than any of these stories. I think she's so much, um, so much more. In fact, I would say that she's sort of, the, her essence is the medicine for our times, that she's kind of what we're craving uh, with her, her association with Kundalini energy and, and the, the coiled serpent at the base of the spine that, that we um, can call up for enlightenment. And she's, she again, the soul of every living creature that creepeth. She's associated with the the serpent and the and the owl and the storm and the wind and the forest and all places desolate. That 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 exiled place that maybe we exile parts of ourselves that way in a, in a patriarchy. So she's she's bringing her home. I think um, is calling that part of ourselves home. 
you know, to be whole again. That's beautiful. And that's the, I think the, what we have forgotten for so many years, also the divine feminine has been, has been um, not totally in our consciousness, like we've forgotten it. And yeah, now comes the time where we have to go within that. And there has to be some uncomfortable truths and, and, um, uh, and this rise of, of this feminine energy, which is, I always say that when I teach yoga is to, to go into that yin space, which is dark. And that's where we all came from, from a dark womb. So it's, um, it's really important to embrace that. And, uh, as we see in, in old cultures, of course, uh, the divine feminine goddess has been uh, worshipped because it is a mystery. Like our the body and the cycles are a mystery, and and I think many of us suppress that. Uh, like if we have a, a a womb and a female body, we have also carried a lot of pain in that from what's been so yeah. there has been an inner suppression and an outer suppression so when that wakes up it's really fierce and then we can see like in hinduism if we look at kalima like she's we can find that same essence in her and and also the old like inanna ishtar even here in sweden uh, uh, freya or freya I think in in English the yeah. the um, in Norse m- mythology uh, she was after the the viking period she she turned out to be uh like this goddess of fertility and love and you know all of that but before that what I've learned here from from people who practice these old shamanic said it's called here in Sweden is that she wasn't that type of god she was actually very fierce just as Lilith so that that aspect of the goddess that that face of the goddess which is also within us is very prominent in many cultures but we have forgotten right. and we have had to be the exact opposite of that in order to to be feminine but it's not it's just a part of the feminine so it's beautiful and i love how you you talk like it always resonates with me everything that you say <laughs> so it's like yeah i'm i'm totally there with you and uh, also uh, i i i actually have been have been also doing astrology for many years but i haven't really uh, dived so deep into the lilith a- aspect and i i understand that it's a little bit like how how do you interpret the the lilith uh because it, w- there is an asteroid lilith but then we have the other lilith so how how is that different right so there's the asteroid lilith and i don't work with that quite as much because i don't find that to be quite as powerful and then there's dark moon lilith but the one i work with is black moon lilith and it's not yes. fully a um uh, a body, it's a point, and it's done mathematically in relation to the moon. So um, I see Lilith as, I, whenever I look at an astrology chart, when I do a reading for 
um, for someone, I always look at where Black Moon Lilith is because I think it's a um, it's an archetype. It's a she's a goddess. She's a it's a god form that should should be included in it for complete picture. Um, and so Lilith to me in the Black Moon Lilith. Well, there's two of them, and I should just say, get you know talk about speak about the technical aspects of it. There's, there's two interpretations of her or two ways to measure where she is. There's mean black moon Lilith, just to, I know this is a little bit um, complex, but I'm sure we can follow. So, so there's mean black moon Lilith and then there's true black moon Lilith. And I find this really fascinating because mean black moon Lilith is the averaged movement of Lilith, black moon Lilith in, in, the, in the Zodiac. And it was, um, she, so she was averaged out to kind of smooth her movement and, and give, give it a little more control so we could predict it more easily. But that's not her nature, right? So the true Black Moon Lilith, which moves a lot more erratically. But for me, that's actually more like her, who she is. Like she doesn't like to follow, um, she doesn't like to be smoothed out. She's not interested in being domesticated quite that way. Now, I think for practical purposes, the, the mean Black Moon Lilith works and I use it, but I've come to now read both of them when I read a chart and I read them a little bit differently. Like the, I read the true one as, as more of a portal into our uh, wild feminine, the part of ourselves that has no interest in following the rules and is mainly interested in creative uh, expression and the witchcraft current of, of, you know, of energy and, you know, um, what, what really moves us and turns us on um, in, in, in life. And then, you know, Black Moon Lilith, both of them, I read them as a portal into the soul and into our truest, most profound essence of who we are, like the essence that was there when you when you look into a baby's eyes and you see who's there prior to all the conditioning. That to me is Lilith. She's also the door, the portal into witchcraft as a as a magical art and as a um, as a way of connecting to the seasons and to our bodies and to um, our natural um, essence if you will. So she's a portal into the divine feminine and, and a portal into the darker side, the transformative side, the alchemical side of the feminine that, that can constantly changes and not in relation to what's expected, but in relation to who she actually is at moment to moment in ways that we maybe can't control or predict. And that's the beauty of it, kind of like the weather or a mood that passes through us. Um, so that's kind of how I interpret Lilith. And then when I, when I do a reading, I'll, I'll look at Lilith and, and really just open myself up to what comes through me to say to the person I'm reading for, because she'll, she'll tell me exactly what's up in this chart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's really something I have to dive deeper into and, and exploring. I did that and I can't remember where it's placed uh, in my chart but, okay. and what I have in the sign. But I really need to, to look at that because it's just a different aspect. Because we have, like, amongst all the planets also that we're looking at, I think 
when we think about uh, the more feminine essence, it would be like Venus and then maybe Taurus and Virgo, which is also like the uh, high priestess. And yeah, um, yeah right. And the, and um, Libra. But how you also interpret Venus in different ways and in... in I think it's. Imp- uh, I, I remember a talk when you talked about Venus in Scorpio as well, because that's an interesting combination. Uh, how do you see Venus in Scorpio? I love Venus in Scorpio, mm-hmm. though. Um, according to the older astrology, um, she was seen to be in her fall in Scorpio, mm-hmm. which means yeah. that 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 she doesn't function well in that sign. When a, when a planet's in their fall, it mean in its fall, it means that that that's not working well. But sometimes that has merit and uh, has has positive aspects. And so a planet has to work a little harder in that sign, maybe um, to to function. And so I like the idea of Venus being in her fall and Scorpio because I think of like the fallen woman, right? The fallen woman the feminine of the underworld to fall. Persephone falls through the earth. She's pulled, but she falls. We fall in love. We also fall ill, right? And when we do, it's a way of our body saying, that's enough. You know, I can't go this direction anymore. I need you to stop and pay attention to me. Um, So falling has this holiness to it. And so when Venus falls in in her fall in Scorpio, she becomes Venus or Aphrodite Chthonia right? Chthonic of the underworld. And uh, that's actually one of her epithets. And so um, she takes on that Dakini-like quality, that Shakti quality, that Lilith quality. So she has a lot uh, in common with Lilith at that moment when she's going through Scorpio, or or if she's in Scorpio in your your personal chart, she has that quality. So, um, you know, she's said to be very passionate, very... uh, oriented toward the the erotic and, and what the accusation is, <laughs> if you will, mm. is that she's too oriented toward what is erotic in a self-gratifying manner. Um, but I think she really gets into the deeper Scorpionic mysteries, those mysteries of the underworld and, and Scorpio's ruler Pluto, the Plutonic, you know, the Chthonic, the underworldy, uh, where she accesses in Scorpio um, the true essence and depth and profundity of what of our, our, our erotic nature like gross means life force right so the world runs on it so it's not something that's separate or over here or something to be you know condemned and, and or fallen it's something holy and so when she's in the sign I think she um, helps us express that. You know, when she's transiting that sign for all of us, or again, in somebody's personal chart, that means that that, that person has a lifetime of exploring the Venusian energies, that those that the goddess of love is, is in that sign for, the, for their life. And so it's, it's um, they, they themselves will express that through their love life, through their relationships and through their values, and even financially, because Venus has to do with finances as well, because she's about value and worth. So... She's connected there. And that's another whole topic, right? About money and money being the root of all evil. And we've been taught this, or many of us have been taught that, but 
money is not necessarily that it is a, a kind of energy and the, we when we hand someone money we're, we're transferring energy you know and we're transforming energy it's a form of magic really so um so many facets to it hmm. yeah and oh yeah it's really interesting and and also how what we how we've interpreted the the astrology is a direct reflection over what has happened the past two thousand years. So right. everything that can seem like negative is actually not always. So so we don't have to because I think um, sometimes there's like certain structures of how we interpret astrology. And the same with the tarot or anything. And, and sometimes people see certain signs or certain aspects uh, as negative. Or even when you meet someone and you're like the first encounter that you had, like trying to match it out. But sometimes we have to find like there's always something good that can com come out of something that looks in like first maybe it looks really like a tough or difficult challenge but it's something that we can learn from so sometimes hard aspects can be great in someone's chart as well and i think one of the things so we've had like these eclipses in in uh, cancer and capricorn and i i've been writing about it that it's also something that has really put this like perspective and this contrast in the world, how we're living. I mean, we would say that the world is more Capricorn-like and has been for a very long time than more into the cancer. And cancer is also the sign of the mother and all of that. So that's like really what we, how we usually see the feminine, right? It's like the mother. Right. And um, just talking about these eclipse seasons that we have been to uh, or been in and we had this full moon lunar eclipse three weeks ago which me together with a lot of people out there felt w were very intense and kind of like awakening in some way c c have you felt anything like that how did you experience the eclipse that we just had i resonate with everything that you're saying and um, i too went through many uh transformative states <laughs> during that eclipse and uh most of it was really positive for me but um that also those eclipses happened with the backdrop of pluto and saturn coming together mm, yes Junction, which we as astrologers have been like talking about forever, right? It's the year. And then it happened and you can really see it like on the world stage, all the different shifts that are happening and shifts in power and um, shifts in consciousness that are going along with that and the polarization that you we see um, on the world stage. Um, but the eclipses, I, I, um, I like what you say about Capricorn and Cancer, that we've been working with the Capricorn energies and maybe um, the, the Cancer energies haven't been um, as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, cultivated or recognized or whatever, we've been, been expressing those as much, right, in society. But I would even say 
Capricorn is so misunderstood because Capricorn is a feminine sign. Mm. Even though it's associated with the father and cancer with the mother in the modern astrology, cancer, Capricorn, another aspect of it anyway, is um, Capricorn is, is the sign of, of nature. It's an earth sign. And I think of it um, as the holiness of the physical, which is another thing that we've sort of in a, um, in a masculine oriented or patriarchal or right hand kind of world, which the right hand's the, the, the masculine side, right? The right, Capricorn's a left hand sign because it's yin, it's feminine, right? So Capricorn, I think of as like the woods, the structure of the trees that I'm looking at right now without leaves on them because it's the skeleton. And Capricorn is the horned god. Um, mm. You've turned into the devil, right? And I think of it as the witch's Sabbath too, the dancing, the feminine energies that dance and create magic and raise energy with, with the with the divine masculine, you know, there uh, as as the horned god and Capricorn is um, is I think when Capricorn's reduced, which is how we've done it, we've, we've worked with Capricorn and thought of it. It's just all work and all about status and and it gets um, it objectifies and comes. I you know we say its keywords are I use. Right, it's there to use to, to bring yourself upward and create hierarchies and structures that have someone below you. But Capricorn, at, at a higher level, is about recognizes that every living thing, every no, everything is living and is animated, and that's that Lilith energy I was talking about earlier as, as the the energy that animates everything. And so Capricorn, at a higher state, I think recognizes. It's 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 counterpart cancer the divine feminine and the soul that everything the table that I have this computer on right now has a soul to it it's animated and the, and science concurs with that now we know that things are alive and moving so that's something that I've really come to in fact through this whole Pluto Saturn thing and and the eclipse is coming up really meditating on these energies to be able to talk about on my reports. I've come to think of Capricorn in a much deeper way than I did before, um, spending time with that energy, because I think the eclipse sort of demanded that. And, mm -hmm. and Saturn being conjunct with Pluto is like Pluto's all about the deeper things, right? So Saturn being Capricorn's ruler what, needed to go deeper. So maybe that's why that came through. Um, mm. But yeah. And it's really how you say it. It's like each sign also has different layers and, and what it can go to two different extremes. And uh, we have to recognize that all of the zodiac is within us and it's manifested in different ways. So you're totally, totally right with that. And I, I really, uh, I can see, because you also talk about uh, Saturn as as the goddess and not like how we see we usually we talk about uh, Saturn as like the teacher like it's the mas a masculine uh, planet but I've also heard you talk about Saturn as or am I right have you talked about Saturn yeah. as a goddess yeah yeah you're absolutely right and a different aspect and in a different way so maybe we can also see how 
all planets hold i think that's the like when we come to the core of everything how everything holds both divine feminine and masculine and that's how it's balanced because otherwise if we would see all of these other planets as as masculine planets and venus the only one it would be very right. very unbalanced actually yeah and um and with and it, it's so funny because there there i i don't remember when this was it could have been right after new year's i because i live close to the water here and and down by the wa water there's horses and goats and <laughs> the goats the goats are really a special a very like when you watch them and how they react to you it's it's very different from the horses and the other other animals and uh, i did have a dream i I've, I've never dreamt about because i really see like the dreams as yeah these these animal spirits come to us and try to teach us something and i remember in the beginning of the year that i i dreamt of a goat that was like a little bit aggressive and almost like jumping on to me like like standing on the back legs and trying to jump and i just forced it away and it was so interesting it was the first time i just reflected on because usually we think about like mystical animals like cats and and all of these <laughs> they they're very special too and and but the goat was really like it was scary but i i knew that it was telling me something yeah. so it was it was just around that time i think around the eclipse time and yeah it's really interesting and it's a great um, dream to have yeah how how would you interpret that <laughs> i i don't know i was thinking about that while you were saying it and i yeah. think i would interpret that as of course the the energies of that animal wanted to you to know hey how about me <laughs> right <laughs> the holiness of maybe i would connect it to the things maybe that i was saying earlier about or and that you were saying earlier about capricorn you know that there's a you know there's more to me um, mm. then, then, then maybe, you know, I, I, I'd like you to get to know me better. Mm. The goat is saying, um, mm. what are some things? And, and also, like you say, we all have the essence of, we all have these, each Zodiac sign in our, in our own charts, right? There's, there's not, there's no Zodiac sign that's ever missing from our chart. We have all. Exactly. So, you know, for, it's like that's, that goat is, is part of your own chart, maybe speaking to you. Yeah, exactly. I'm a cancer. So, so it's ah. my exact like opposite in that way, but yeah. I, I can definitely resonate with, with the Capricorn energy a lot, actually. And I think something that is a misconception about cancer is that, yeah, it's like a, like a motherly, like a only a receptive sign, but it is actually very a powerful sign that gets things done and creates change and wants change so yes. we have to see that aspect as well and and i mean capricorn is is the sign of manifesting and being embodied in yeah. this life so it's very important to have that earthy uh earthy energy within us as well right <sighs> and the, the cancer so energy is you know you say that you you resonate with the capricorn i i always say hmm to people that whatever ails a sign, like whatever, if you have a planet and a sign and you're having trouble with that planet, for whatever reason, it's being transited by a heavy do heavy hitter, you know, planet, um, you know, or, or you're just not sure how to access it or whatever. I always say that the, the medicine 
for anything that ails a sign is in its opposite sign. Mm. Like I'm I'm a Taurus sun, right? My sun's in Taurus. Mm. So whenever my sun isn't functioning well, you know, I don't feel, I feel lost or I'm not sure what, what, uh, what road to take or, you know, because your sun is your, um, your road in life. It's your, it's your will and it's your, how your consciousness unfolds. And so let's say I'm, I'm confused about that, which has certainly happened. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's the only thing I have at earth. So sometimes it's hard for me to access and um, I'll go to Scorpio and say, okay, well, what do I need to let go of? You know, hmm. what, where's that? What, what, what medicine might Scorpio have for me that uh, to help me see something that I can't see if I just dwell in Taurusness, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And that's the balance. I mean, when we have, like we have now we have a, a full moon coming up in in uh, leo so and my ascendant is leo actually so oh. i've been in eclipses for a very long time it feels like <laughs> a lot of life changes yeah and and, and it's it's uh, i mean the, the tougher it gets the greater are the rewards really so it's it's a part of our evolution and i think and then when we see the moon in one sign and the, the sun in another sign, it tells us to, to create that balance. And the opposite sign is always the one that we need to balance with. So I think it's, it's really, as you say, it's, there's, there's really importance in, in looking at your opposite signs as well, even if you don't have any planets there. Or, um, so just, yeah, one last thing. Maybe we can talk about the since since the episode will be live before this upcoming new moon what is your what do you see are the major aspects and points in this or oh, full moon sorry the full moon this weekend the full moon in leo this weekend yeah i'm about to uh to record a, a new week report about this um so this will be my practice run <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> talking about the full moon this weekend i mean uh oh i just i see this full moon as such a blessing because leo is all about joy and creativity and your heart and um yeah it's it's about your sovereignty and your inner child and and one might say well how what do those two things have to do with each other right sovereignty and inner child but I don't think we can be sovereign if our inner child is imprisoned in some way. You know, our sovereignty is really shown to us by what our joy is. Um, if we don't have joy, we can't, we're not really in control of our lives because our joy shows us what our path is and what our, our true will is. And I use that like capital T, capital W, your, your true will being your small uh, will as a personal, you know, your personal egoic will as combined with the divine will. Right. And of course, they're never separate anyway, because we are the universe itself. But the true will is maybe a way to think about it as connected. Um, but Leo full moon, we've gone through so much raw, you know, energy. And mm -hmm. Leo is bringing the light back in. And we just had in bulk in the northern hemisphere. Right. Mm, yes. Um, you know, here in Ireland, it said that the spring is already here. And, and mm. um, the goddess Bridget moves across the land, bringing her cloak across with mm. giving blessings and, and bring, making the flowers come up again, um, getting the, the land ready for, for the spring. So I see this Leo full moon is kind of a moment for us to remember the light 
and um and then it's also um connected to mars and it's got a lot of martial aspects to it so i think that there's a lot of fire to warm us in this full moon leo is a fire sign and Mars is a fire planet, so this is a time to, after maybe a lot of purging and a lot of transformation and change, there's a there's this time now to regenerate our, to, you know, recharge our battery, and take some some really positive actions for ourselves. So that that's uh, you know that's the way I would interpret it. It's at twenty degrees of Leo, so wherever we have that in our chart is where mm. it's going to shine. I think, and it's mm. it's the uh, the culmination of the of the new moon too that we just had so um yes yeah oh, that's gonna be interesting and fun yeah i can feel that energy and it's really um yeah the excitement of it <laughs> i yeah. think and it's very close to my ascendant so it's uh yeah it's gonna be interesting so and it'll I'm, be in I'm your just... first house yes exactly it's yeah i can see i can see the theme in my life as well so i'm i'm really in yeah i i'm just excited to see what's what's going to come out from this uh, lunation and and the year ahead because it feels like 2019 was like major like just <laughs> some type of completions also a lot of uh, like tough um experiences but it's it's uh, this year started also as a as a cleansing and also as a, a big transformation so i th think it's seen in the collective for all of us um, right and yeah i'm i'm really really i i could talk to you for so much longer and i'm sure we will have oh. more conversations yeah <laughs> we're not too far to away from day. each other <laughs> i know me too and i'm really like a huge fan of yours and i would love for people to find you uh, and your channel so maybe you can share how people can connect with you and find you sure um my website is aprilsarcana.com or aprilsastrology.com you can use either of those to get there and then uh, my YouTube is uh, YouTube April's Astrology. You can just search that and my video mm. come up. And then also I'm on Instagram, April's Arcana. You can find me there as well with all the links to all the stuff. Um, yes. Those are some ways also, that you can find me. Yes. And I'll link everything in the show notes so people can just click uh, click themselves in for if they want to check out your reports or reading, astrology readings and things like that. And is there any last thing you want to share before we end the call? Sure. Uh, there's just one more. Uh, my yeah. website, aprilshaley.com, of course, is where a lot of my uh, performance art and uh, belly dance, too. So, mm. um, so that's another one. Yes, your dancing is magical. So I, I encourage everyone to, <laughs> to take a look. It's it's so so magical and all your photography. So I'm really excited to see what's gonna come up more from, yeah. from your side. I'd and, really like uh, to blend this all a little bit more, bring more of the movement into what I'm doing again. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. And also because, I mean, we everyone wants to use their body. We can use our body as a tool for meditation. And, and dancing is so releasing. And even with 
when we're moving with the energy, that is, if we look at astrology and everything that's going on and how we can use that within our body and to just express, I think it's, it would be great. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. <laughs> thank you so much, April. Oh. I'm so grateful for you and your time and your energy. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. And I hope that we connect soon again. Me too. And thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast. It's an honor to be here. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. It was a lovely conversation. I hope you just felt the energy that April had to share and that you find her on YouTube and Instagram and, and just take in that knowledge because it's pure wisdom and I'm super grateful for this conversation. It's it's taught me so much more uh, and it, it really tapped into even deeper layers of astrology that we don't usually hear about and I just love the conversation about the goddess as usual so I hope this resonated with you and if it did please leave a review on iTunes and I want to wish you all a happy full moon in Leo this weekend take a deep breath in through the nose and exhale and namaste